0: You guys, this is Good Deeds, and I'm Dr. Renee Sunday. I know you don't have to tell me you having an awesome, a fabulous, a wonderful, a fantastic day. I know you are. (laughs) People always ask me why I say that. I say that because you know, no matter what's going on in our life, we do have to go through ups and downs. We do have to go through trials and tribulations. You know, I think Bishop Jake says it so. Said it uh, so great I like the way he said it And the sermon he said when you go through some type of pain We're not going to like it when we go through that pain Of course that ends up being your purpose Because actually when you go Through the process when you actually Get that light bulb experience That's what I call it You actually you're going to look back and say Guess what I made it <laughs> And when you make it you want to Actually help somebody else Come through a similar situation You know, the world today needs motivation, needs empowerment, but we actually need people to actually share their stories, to share what they've gone through. Now, you know, people say, how much do I say? You know what? You'll know what to say, and you will know what not to say, okay? But we have to realize everybody has a story, number one. We need to always remember that people want motivation. People want to be, they want to walk out their destiny. But these emotions we got, and I put me in it, you know, we got to make sure we don't have fear. We got to make sure that we don't have envy. We got to make sure we don't have jealousy. We need to make sure we don't have those things because everybody has a calling. What to do? Everybody has a reason they were born. We got to work together because it does take the whole village to actually make this thing work. And we want everybody to be in their calling. We want everybody to be in their purpose, and we want everybody to be in their destiny. It's okay. It's enough for everybody says it the best. It's enough of a pie for everybody, okay? And what we do here on Good Deeds, we're part of that. We want to help you share your message to the world. We want you to help. We want to help you shine that light to the world. People say, Dr. Sunday, you talk about this light all the time? Are you talking about your last name Sunday? But we're actually talking about that light. That light is your dreams, your goals, your passions, the reason you were born. We are here to help you tell everybody to shine into the world that someone else can walk out their purpose in life. So I'm such an honor and privilege of being your host here at Good Deeds. But you know what? i like to hurry and get to the guests because you know what? I learn so much from hearing from people. I do. (laughs) I do. But you know what? We we just have an honor and privilege. You kind of notice some of our branding have changed instead of saying, Good Deeds Radio Show all the time. We say Good Deeds, what? Media Network. Because I have been charged, I have been truly honored that I can help other people have their own radio show, share their message. They have their own platform. Isn't that amazing? But I'm just so honored and privileged that I have, to, you know, as they say, pass the mantle, if you will, but to help other people that they can do that. Okay? If you want information, we'll tell you about it later, okay? But we got to get to the guests, okay? We actually have a highly acclaimed, Author, I mean, you know, I just love when authors are on the platform. Being an author, being a publisher myself, I I I know I've been through the process that they have to be, that they've been, and they're going to continue to be. Because you know, you never write one book; you just keep going, okay. But we want to actually bring a young man to to show. Uh, I'm I'm just so honored and privileged to have him here. We have none other than the highly acclaimed Harris. Scapple Junior, and he got. <laughs> I just love it. I just love it. I can tell him his voice that he gonna tell us. he's gonna tell us some things that we can actually one hear and we can actually apply to our life. Harry, 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 are you there? <laughs>
1: yes, ma'am. How you doing?
0: I'm great. He got a. Bo- I believe you can sing too. Can you, my brother? <laughs> nah,
1: I'm not. I'm not that Harry.
0: <laughs> <laughs> but you have a nice uh, media voice. I forgot Thanks. to tell you that when we we didn't we didn't talk too long in the in the green room there, but I said he has a nice voice, but let's get this started. Tell us a little bit more about yourself and the you know just the things that's going on in your life that you want to share actually with the world
1: actually um I'm a native of Alabama um my father worked many years a uh, hard working man he was uh, or he years, and uh he served in the military. My mother worked retail for many years, and um, my my childhood was of the norm, you know. I'm the oldest of three siblings, and, um, you know, I was that youth, you know, as growing up, I developed this passion, this love for artwork. You know, I would sit up on a lot of my older cousins and would see them take a Honda Accord and just customize it. And then my father, he also is an artist. I mean, he does the blueprints. Um, portraits, et cetera. So I kind of developed a love for the arts. Um, under me, she's a child psychologist. Then I have a brother under me as well. So our childhood was of the norm, you know, growing up in southeast Alabama. I also was very close to my grandmother who actually instilled work ethics in me. She was one of those grandmothers that didn't allow me to watch Smurfs and, you know, cartoons or whatever, throughout the week or on the weekend. She was one of those grandmothers that took me. She had a variety of fruit trees, several eight, nine fruit trees. And she would have me out there, <clears throat> excuse me, separating good fruit from the bad fruit, breaking the pine okay. straw, moving bricks from one location of the yard to the next. And as a child, I didn't understand how <laughs> she just took me captive and I would see my childhood friends riding by, speeding by on their bicycles, and there I was working but what she was doing was preparing me for something that was beyond my childlike intellect. At the age of ten, after uh, my mother and father sent me to uh, stay with an auntie and uncle, about thirty-five miles up the road, I would say to abuse at the age of ten, and um, to have to experience that, I couldn't put it in words. I couldn't come up with. You know, why did I just encounter what I just encountered? And I don't even know how to put words on it. It happened because we would stay here about anywhere from a week to two weeks, a lot of times in the summertime, a very religious environment. And um, after returning home, what was crazy was that it happened again, but by a neighbor. And as a 10-year-old, I can't decipher, you know, why am I being targeted in this fashion? I figure around the age of 12, I found myself approaching middle school. And in middle school, I had already been told, you know, hey, we got to dress out amongst the boys and we got to go out there and do our, you know, recreational things or whatever. And for me, as a child, seeing myself, you know, disrobing myself amongst 80 or so boys, I couldn't deal with that. It's like my my self-esteem was shattered. Um... I had very, very low self-esteem to a point where every day, you know, this one guy used to take my money every day. And he would do it so boldly in front of people that another guy stepped in and he started taking my money. And um, just went through a lot, you know, as an African-American male in North America. And I figure by the time that I turned, and keep in mind, you know, my bio had been taken because I'm living right there in the neighborhood. And by the time I turned 13, you know, I committed my first assault, and I saw how people, mm-hmm. they reverence, they reverence that, not making a justification, but an explanation, and I said, well, this is my tool. This is what I'm going to utilize in order to keep potential p- predators at bay, keeping up in mind also that due to the fact that I lived in an African-American community, most of my trials, conflict, it involved African-American people, youth. So, I had developed this mind frame that I had literally started to hate myself. I didn't understand how I, as an individual, ended up in certain situations. But then I also looked at the perpetrators who were responsible for the outcome of my low self esteem and things of that nature. So, dealing with self hate, instead of me killing myself, my objective was to kill those that looked like me, but it still was like a self hate. And, um,. Mm-hmm. When people praise me, hey Sappho he he he's a fool that's a real idiot. He's about that life, and it was then that I embraced it, and I said, "No more will I be a victim. I became an aggressive youth, and keep in mind though, even as a child, you know we used to do these pranks in my um, in one of the other neighborhoods where I used to visit one of my cousins. you know at night we would <laughs> we would uh, go knock on people's doors and ring their doorbells and go hide in their bushes to see their reaction when they come to the front door and there's nobody standing, you know, on the front porch or whatever. They just tickled us. We was like, you know, nine, eight-year-old, you mm-hmm. know, youth. But so I was a prankster. But after having experienced what I did, you know, sexual abuse twice by two males, African-American males, I went into this state of mind where I started to pretend. I'm not a prankster no more. I'm not that happy-go-lucky, jolly kid no more. I'm going to pretend. I'm going to pretend to be macho. I'm going to pretend to be aggressive. And I learned in life that when you pretend to be something for so long, you eventually become that. And Mm -hmm. here's the thing. Tending to be macho, it put me in the past with guys who were really, really macho. It put me in the past with guys who were really, really aggressive. So I had to eradicate that childlike thinking that I had suppressed, and I had to become like them in order to sustain my life. Um, Been involved in gunplay. And eventually, went off to prison at the age of. Well, let me let me go back. At the age of when I was in high school, my freshman year, I can recall being in the theater class, and I took uh, approximately eleven sheets of paper, took them and folded them in half to create like a book format, and I started doing illustrations because, as I mentioned, I learned the art years ago. It's just something that I had to nurture, and then I started tying in a storyline. Well, my teacher walked by. He was a Caucasian male, overweight, Caucasian male, and he was gay. Well, when he approached my desk, he noticed what I was, you know, doing. And he asked me mm-hmm. for it, and he looked it over, and he was offended. So he took it to the principal's office. And the principal, who was open-minded, he said, well, maybe this is the things that he see before coming to school, and maybe this is what he sees when he leaves school. I saw then that if I can impact the Caucasian male who was overweight and he was gay, if I can impact him, who was on the other side of the fence, then I could utilize his gift to impact other people. However, I had unresolved issues from my childhood, and at the age of 19, I was involved in a crime of which I shot an individual. It was a house. Long story short, one of my associates was robbed, and he come and you know say, "Hey, this is the issue." So I accumulated my firearms because I started buying guns at the time, teenager or whatever. And um, I said, let the sun set and we'll deal with them. And we run up in the house and I ended up shooting a guy and it sent me to prison for 12 and a half years. Went in when I was 19 and was released when I was 32. And um, looking back, having, you know, missed all my 20s, Watching my daughter grow up in photos. I mean, literally, from getting, you know, from the delivery room to getting off the school bus, I had to watch my daughter grow up. Um, I was faced with parole one day and mm-hmm. I was denied. So I figured what I would do was utilize that time and, you know, I had gotten my GED in prison, had gotten another skilled trade and started tutoring other individuals, inmates, with their, you know, for their GED to study for their GED. And, um, mm-hmm. Eventually, you know, one thing led to the next, and um, I was confronted with parole a second time and denied. And that was so difficult because, true enough, I had lived a lifestyle that had led me to prison, but then I had started to live in a life that, in hopes that I would be led out of prison. So it's kind of like Mm -hmm. frustrating to be on record for, okay, he's he's calmed down. But um, I was denied a second time. But the third time is when I was released, November of uh, 2008. And when I got out, my objective was to not be a renegade, but to be a remedy. Um, mm-hmm. I don't know how many people know about, you know, a snake bite victim, but if a person has ever been bitten by a snake, one of the things that the doc- physician or the doctor, he emphasizes, what kind of snake, what was the color, what was the length, what were you bit by? Because what he'll do is take mm-hmm. a portion of that same venom Is a means of treating you. I was a dose of venom injected into society. However, I could be that same venom that could be utilized in order to nurture and treat those other males who are walking along the same path that I did. See, I know what it's like to be angry as an Mm. African-American male, to be frustrated. I know what it's like. I mean, I was really into that life. It pleased me to see the impact that my grief was having on other people because I was so disoriented, you know, as a youth. So I mm-hmm. set out to so you know what, I got to do something, you know, with my life. So I started doing documentary film. Um, eventually honed the craft, you know, got more into writing and um, speaking engagement, things of that nature. So in essence, that's where I am now, um, about January the 10th, I will be uh, releasing one of my books, When Black Boys Are Left in the Dark. And the moral hey. behind it all is a lot of black boys are left in the dark. We are left in the dark about a lot. Um, in one case, you know, I see a lot of movies that project, you know, especially minority men coming out of prison tanks to this picture that if we can't get the first, second, third, or fourth job, we have a tendency to resume my criminal behavior or resort back to a certain lifestyle. Well, what I wanted mm-hmm. to do was eradicate that because I had been homeless because corporations and HR said, well, I don't have to hire you. You're a convicted felon. Um, I have slept on the driver's seat of my car. I have occupied a space on the bridge. And people don't understand that even when you make the right decision, it doesn't always redeem you from hardship. When I said no to criminal activity for that night, it put me up on the bridge. When I said no to criminal activity another night, all I found was my driver's seat. But it was from that driver's Mm -hmm. seat that I continued to write my story, to edit my story so that I will impact people, you know. Because when I write, I don't write for today. I write for tomorrow because I'm not going to always be here. In my absence I want people to still, you know, be able to learn like, man, what did he go through? Um, what should I do with that situation? And a sixty two year old counselor, called Fred Hayes, Caucasian male, mm-hmm. you know, he used to he used to stress to us when I was in prison, he was over the one of the prison program. He used to stress to us, he used to say, You know what? Society is not gonna embrace y'all. He said, Just because mm-hmm. y'all kick some habits and you go out there saying, you know, I'm not going to pick up a, They're not going to embrace y'all. But the ultimate question mm-hmm. is, like, what are you going to do in the face of the answer, no? And I see mm-hmm. a lot of our youth, they're not prepared. They don't want to hear no. But we're living in a time now where your youth, society now is intolerant, very, you know, not tolerant with these youth. I'm seeing youth now age 14, 15 years, then sentenced to life sentences. So what that says mm-hmm. is that, Society is not so tolerant with our young people. So with me having been there in the lion's mouth, I know how deep those teeth cut. I know how hot his breath is when he breathes. I know what it's like to be in the lion's mouth. And I eased out, but the right way. And I think that when we don't talk about racism and I don't, you know, when we don't talk about you know how there are Negroes out here who they develop their, their status talking about your pain, just what it is. They serve as mascots. And mm-hmm. <laughs> as a person, I feel obligated to not only just to tell the truth in its fullness, but to exhibit it. You know, I claim not to be anybody's messiah. But the things that I have experienced, nobody can tell my story. And I think that there are a host of people out here who are just sweet by and by, you know, just pray about it or get your microphone in your hand. Maybe, you know, try to jump at least five feet and you can get somewhere. But that's so not a reality for a lot of us. Too many African-American people are looking for a redemption from something outside of themselves. But what I had to do is when I was faced on those cold nights in the wintertime being homeless, and those hot, blistering nights in the summertime, I had to make a decision. Are you going to do anything that is unlawful as a means of eating or getting shelter tonight? So the correction was mm. not just up bricks and barbed wire fences and bars. The correction was in me. Mm. And, I, you know, I've been on, you know, I've been around. I've had opportunity you know, to go out to New Mexico and, you know, Houston, Texas, and it's the same song. People have got to get more in tune with themselves instead of, you know, pressing. I want want to experience a BET moment. You know, I want to be on a billboard. I want to be a boss. We're so infatuated with this Superman and Superwoman hype
0: that -hmm. we can't deal
1: with real issues when they come to us. So what we do is we not only destroy ourselves, but we destroy the families that we're either a part of or we come from. So now it's like, are you going to like, live by the script that somebody has issued to you, or you going to hearken to that inner voice? Because I feel like all of us as people have been through so much that sometimes we can mm-hmm. just press, you know, that inner voice that is telling you this is the right way. But sometimes we do things as a means of survival. And uh, I can identify with that. I've been that person that said, you know what, this is what I'm going to do in spite of the harm that it may cause. This is the path mm-hmm. that I'm going to take. So nowadays my objective is to inspire people through my writing I got a couple stage plays, you know, lined up that I'm actually shopping for committed, you know, cast, um, and just really telling not my story, but the people's story, so that you know other people will be inspired as well.
0: Wow. L- let me let me ask a question because um, your story is so powerful. I mean, powerful, powerful. It needs to be everywhere. <laughs> But um, with the the plays you have, the screenplays you have, and the different publications, uh, you also have a nonprofit as well, correct?
1: Actually, in the process now, it's called Intellectual. And it's like a, mm-hmm. a trifold, it consists of mentorship. Because, you know, you can give a person a degree, a person can have a talent. But if that person has low self esteem, somebody's going to get in their ear and do wonders. And that one, you know, I, I mean that. So it's my thing is no matter what you want to be in life, you have to not just be the person that you're going to be amidst the people and in mm-hmm. your craft, but you have to walk away still feeling like I'm, I have no shame in what I just done to earn this dollar. I have no shame in what wow. I just done, you know, before the people. So the program wow. is going to consist of men- mentorship, it'd be a program mm-hmm. in there that deals with developing these youth work ethics. And then it will also be a writing program in it. So it's a writing program. It will be the work ethics, and then it will be the mentorship. The reason why I speak so highly of the, uh, the work ethics, you know, my grandmother had me out in the summertime. <laughs> she not mm-hmm. only gave me work ethics, but she gave me endurance because, you know, when I got out of prison, I had 21 applications circulating before I got my first job. A lot of ex-fellows would have been like, you know what, they're not hiring me, they ain't calling me, I'm out. I'm back to the block. That wasn't me. Mm -hmm. You know, I I, I learned in life that we have to do what's called catch your thoughts. That's something Mm -hmm. that Fred Hayes used to say, catch. And what that means is if you're in a situation where somebody has disrespected you or you're in a situation where you know you are entitled to something and you're being deprived of that, are you going to act out or are you going to say anything Mm -hmm. that can be considered a threat, um, insubordinate? What I have to do is catch my thoughts. And that consists of thinking, like, okay, if I say this, if I do this, okay, here's where it's going to lead me to. So before I act out on it, let me just captivate this thought. Because, you know, when you entertain a certain thought for so long, you will eventually act out on it. So that's mm-hmm. the purpose of captivating, taking that thought. You know, your, the Bible speaks about in Second um, Corinthians, 10th chapter, before we, uh, though we walk in the flesh, we don't. War with the flesh. Weapons by warfare are not corn, but minded through God to the pulling down of strongholds. And it speaks also about casting down vain imaginations. Our mind has a tendency to, if we don't check it, if we don't take things in order, bringing it into uh, subjectiveness, then what it'll do is it'll lead us to acting out. So catching the thought, consistent, to remember if I say this and it will. I Harry, thought about cold courtrooms. Um, oh okay, it came back mhm. I thought about cold courtrooms. I thought about everything that came with what would have happened if I would have acted that out, so in essence um you know that's 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 my take on that you know
0: wow i mean you you your your st- what you've been through is so powerful and and we need it as as the old pastor said in a time and a season at, that we're in right now um i I mean we really. I mean, I know several people that I can actually reach out to that, that'd be very interested and we can have a different, you know, extended conversation because um you gotta get your information out. You gotta get your plays out, you gotta get your books out and your nonprofit, profit all that. <laughs> because <laughs> self esteem, bullying and all that stuff. I've been I was in bullying, you know, I'm born in you know, went to school in Birmingham, Alabama. So I I right. Okay, I know what it's about. Yeah, right. But my mom and dad, that foundation you're talking about, that's what actually got me through. But if you don't have that foundation, because there's so much already, you know, statistics, dot, 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 uh, we actually have to be the full village, as you said. Um, oh, my God, I can't hardly even stay still. I, I want you to do uh, a favor. uh Tell us the things so actually some of the people that's listening live and will be listening archived, and myself, I have to put that out there, uh, are actors and looking for things to be in. Uh, uh, Tell us again of how we can connect with you, first of all, to help you in this amazing, uh, I'm not going to even say movement, assignment. You know what I mean, this assignment (laughs) that you actually need to get out to the masses. And tell us how we can get your publications when that's time. And I actually uh, 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 have a couple of nonprofits I have in, uh, in, that I'm, I'm friends with. Uh, probably would be a good asset that you guys can maybe collaborate together and, or something like that. But we, we want to be on board to help you in this because this is a much needed. But tell us how we can contact you and how we'll be able to get your information uh, of your publications and your nonprofits.
1: Well, um, about January the 10th, um, people can look out for – actually, I'm dropping like four books, and I'll try to share briefly. There's one book called Freedom Rhymers, like rhymes, Freedom Rhymers, and the subtitle is Black Ink Matters. And what it consists of is Mm. it, it takes place in Atlanta. The base, you know, is in Atlanta. And it's about two hip-hop guys that are faced with an act of genocide that is taking place in that area. And um, these guys, they're hip-hop artists. And they utilize their platform to really get the message out there as far as how we can, you know, rise above becoming victims. You know, we as people have been through so much, Um And the Black Ink Matters consist of tell the story the way it is. Black Ink Matters. If it happened this way, tell it. And we saw all too often how, you know, we have been murdered in the streets and the story has been kind of like altered or whatever. So just allow the Black Ink to serve its purpose and tell the story the way it is. Um, Another book I really appreciate African-American women is called Have Black Girls Been Family Orientated? And it's not to bash any elders, guardians, parents who have raised black girls. But sometimes as black parents, we feel that if we don't talk about certain subjects, keep it off the table, then perhaps our nieces and daughters and uh, little cubs, girl cousins, they won't go through it. That's not so. Hmm. A lot of time women, they jump off the front porch and they involve themselves in this thing called dating game. And what wasn't talked about at home, they come in contact with this man. What's common now is that women find themselves involved with men who were like their fathers, but had that mother sat that daughter down and not bashed that man but talked about, like, his hang-ups, perhaps that daughter would have been wise about not choosing a man that was like her daddy. So had black girls been family orientated. It just addresses those things that are not talked about in certain homes because we as black people have a thing, well, I ain't going to talk about it. Maybe she won't, you know, uh, be confronted by it. Because you don't talk about it don't mean she won't be faced with it out here in this real world. Another book is called December Valley. It consists of a black man being involved with a black woman who has children. And this the son has more power than the man does. I mean, this man, he accepts this woman and her children, and he loves them like they're his own. But sometimes in America, some of our women, I have no problem with the magic, the girl magic, black girl magic. I have no power with girl power. But at some point, I would want to embrace somebody. If it was me, I would want to embrace somebody who can exhibit who they're supposed to be as a means of sit down. So there's some things that take place in December Valley that um, it paints a, a a vivid picture of what it's like to be in a situation where children are already there and they have a difficult time embracing this man that only wants to come on board and add to the family unit. He don't want to take away; he want to add to. Furthermore, mm-hmm. he, embr- he embraces them. And um, mm-hmm. when you speak about discipline, sometimes you have to incorporate the word no. Um,
0: mm-hmm.
1: It's not about making deals and negotiating with children. This is what you do seven days a week. Ain't none of this you do what you want to do five days after week. Then when you want to do something on Saturday, let's negotiate. Okay, I go in and clean the room up. No, you're supposed to do that seven days a week. And that's what December, yeah, it's it's real. But ultimately, the fourth book is um, When Black Boys Are Left in the Dark. I I speak so much about, you know, just the things that black fathers, uncles, and I put myself out there. That will be January the 10th that these books will definitely be available. Well, we so be excited. <laughs> Go ahead. I'm
0: sorry. <laughs> Thank
1: you. But the, but I can be contacted. If somebody wants to get behind me, I can be followed on Twitter at Kwesi, K-W-E-S-I, Saffo, S-A-F-F-O-L-D, and the number one. So at mm-hmm. Kwesi, Sappho, number one. On Facebook, I can be followed on Harry. Sappho, Junior. Sappho is spelled S-A-F-F-O-L-D. And then the nonprofit, as I mentioned, is is going up this year. Um, just been doing some development, getting the paperwork and all. You know, I want to be in right standing because I live a life.
0: Amen.
1: I don't I don't carry mm-hmm. no pistols. When I'm out of town, I'm in Houston, uh, uh, Orlando, Atlanta, uh, New Mexico. Mm-hmm. I don't carry pistols because I carry myself in a fashion that power is not about what's in your waistband, Mm -hmm. not always.
0: Mm -hmm. It's about, you know, Mm -hmm. how you
1: carry yourself. So I had to redefine, like, what is power? What is power? I had to Mm -hmm. redefine that. And some of us, we are not going Uh, to progress and move forward Mm -hmm. until we start redefining what is power, what is marriage, what is a relationship, what is a man. You have to to question yourself. I mean, that's how we got the breakthrough. At one point, Mm -hmm. we thought that the earth was flat. But through our research and questioning, we came to find out Mm -hmm. that, man, the earth is actually round. So we have to at some point question, what is Mm -hmm. this that I have been living for so long? Mm -hmm. Is it a Mm lie? Is it just, you know, wishful thinking? Is it traditional? Mm -hmm. What is Mm -hmm. it in order to get that breakthrough? That's right.
0: Oh, Lord, you got me on fire. I was feeling feeling tired, but (laughs) I'm up now. We want to thank you so much, Harry, for being in your purpose, first of all. And we thank you so much for being a guest here on Good Deeds. We got to have you back. We got to, um, I have a nonprofit as well, and um, a couple of my friends that's on here right now, listen, have nonprofits. So we will connect with you offline to see how we can assist you. But we just thank you for taking time out and being with us here on Good Deeds.
1: And I want to say this you know, my thing is not about building an individual empire. But, I mean, I have participated in in those uh, Stop the Violence and Incarceration. I spoke at the Tupac Amaru Center over in Stone Mountain before it was closed. So I'm one of those type of people. I support other people's calls, too. It's not about building my – because I don't care about a billboard. My thing is, as long as the work gets done, you don't have to never mm-hmm. see me. But my objective is, is right. to support those who um, are doing something that is significant. Uh, impactful, the right motive. That's my objective. Yes, so I don't mind supporting other right. people, so don't feel like you can't ask me to, hey, will you come out and speak or support? I'm all for that. It's not about just building, you know, what I'm trying to do, because in actuality, it's not my profit. It's the people's profit.
0: Right. There you go. Woo. Wow. Well, wow. Well, we will be contacting you, and thank you so much again. Woo, Lord. Oh, my God. Ladies and gentlemen, ladies and gentlemen, I can't even say it now. Y'all know I'm about to shout, but anyway, you know this is an awesome, awesome episode. I know you can't wait till the till the um, replay comes up. You know we on iTunes, we on YouTube, we on so much speaker everything we on, and all the social media networks. If you want to uh, advertise with us or a sponsorship. Um, the radio TV or the magazine, Good things Magazine, and if you want to be a guest, if you want your own radio show, we actually have a couple of spots available for that. Uh, please, please contact us at www.renesunday.com. That's R-E-N-E-E Sunday, dot com. Always remember, you have a calling. You have a reason why you were born. You have a reason you're alive right now. You got to do three things. You got to believe. You got to trust. And you got to walk that thing out, okay? All right, this is good deeds. And i am got to the next Sunday. We'll see you next time. Bye bye.